Hello, welcome back. My name is Rob Wong. This is the Great Date Guy podcast. And today we're talking about whether or not counseling skills can make you more attractive. What's that all about? Well, the short answer here is yes. And the longer answer here is yes. (laughs) But why? Why is a skill set designed around providing emotional and mental relief going to make you a more attractive partner? Well, to get to that answer, first and foremost, we're going to go back to the pickup artist era, circa the 2000s, back when routines were a thing. And one of the things that they heavily advocated for, other than memorizing lines to try to get people to sleep with you, was something that really stuck out. It really stuck out to me right from the get-go. And that was negging. Now, negging was the idea that you do something that is relatively negative, like giving out a backhanded compliment. Uh, and that would, well, they later rebranded it to breaking rapport, uh, which for whatever reason, they pitched as access to someone being more attracted to you. Now, on the surface, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. If I piss someone off, why would they be more interested in me later? (laughs) And to answer that question, we're going to go back to psychology. Now, by itself, this is largely a useless skill. Not only do I not recommend it, it's actively going to work against you. When people are triggered, there is no room for them to be attracted to you right? There's fear in the space. They want to get away. They're angry with you. Other emotions supplant anything that might even begin to lead to attraction. So already we have something that we can work with, right? When I'm a counselor, when I have counseling skills, when I have the ability to create emotional resolution in other people already, I become a space for other people to be attracted to me. Now, does this mean that you need to go get a counseling degree? I don't know. (laughs) Do you want to get a counseling degree? Maybe you do. It doesn't take very much to get the skills to actively hold the space for someone. It takes training, but getting the information isn't too hard. However, simply being an opening or a space for attraction isn't generally enough to create attraction. And that's where we're going to bring this full circle. See, the way that negging works is that I spark basically a sympathetic nervous system response. That is to say, I kick someone very slightly into fight or flight. Again, I'm not advocating that you do this, but you should also recognize that this type of thing happens routinely anyway. On your average day, your average person is triggered multiple times during that day, whether or not they're aware of it. And the things that you can look out for are, is this person not engaging as much? Are they not speaking with me? Are they giving me the cold shoulder, ignoring me? Do they actively appear to be kind of flustered, angry? Is it taking them a long time to reply, either live or over text? Are they kind of frazzled or distracted? All of these are signs of emotional charge, otherwise known as sympathetic activation. Now, the way that this works is that it's rooted in the spinal column. And when something comes and triggers us, immediately it then triggers the release 
of norepinephrine, otherwise known as adrenaline, into our systems, which causes the usual symptoms of a faster beating heart. You, that person seems to be warmer, they're blushing a lot, uh, they're speaking either really, really rapidly or taking a very, very long time to speak. You can see either or. I guess that falls into the freeze category or the flight category, depending on how you look at it and how that person is reacting. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough, you knew most of that. Some of that is new information, but you knew most of that. So what do we do with this? That's where counseling skills come into play. If I am able to create an emotional shift in another person, and I'm able to do that effectively, what happens afterwards is attraction. Interesting, no? And the way that I can prove this is that this is how little boys make best friends. Now, if you're a guy, you've already had this experience probably already. You get into a fight with someone, and then immediately afterwards, if the two of you manage to repair, then, the, then you become best friends. That's the way that it works. You fight, right? Whether it's physical or with words or whatever. And then afterwards, if you can clean things up, then you are best friends forever. How does this work? What is triggering this? Well, when you come back down from a sympathetic nervous system response, when you kick yourself out of fight, flight, or freeze, or do that for another person, their brain releases two chemicals, dopamine, and I've forgotten the name of the other one. Let's, <laughs> let's hit pause and think about this. It's oxytocin. So dopamine, as you may already be aware, is responsible for the pleasure response in your brain. It's what happens after you have sex, when you play video games, you do something that you really enjoy. Sometimes your brain dumps dopamine if you've been meditating for long enough, if you've been meditating at a high level. Although high is kind of an arbitrary thing when it comes to meditation, if you hit a certain point in your practice, you will have had that euphoric experience. That's your dopamine hard at work. Now, as far as oxytocin is concerned, that is your bonding chemical. Uh, if you've watched that episode of Rick and Morty where he makes a love potion and it's, it's oxytocin, it's derived from voles, same idea. This is why mothers bond to their children. This is why people fall in love with each other. Oxytocin is actively being released. Now, this isn't the only way that oxytocin is released. If you are in physical contact with someone for about 15 minutes, oxytocin will be released, right? If you happen to have a really deep, engaging conversation with someone, oxytocin is released. There are a variety of ways to do this. And again, I really don't advocate going out and starting a mini fight in order to get here because it happens naturally. You will, at some point, if you are being open, honest, authentic and vulnerable with this other human being say something that hurts their feelings or causes them to react in a certain way. You don't actively need to manipulate the conversation in order to get here. I promise you, you will get there. <laughs> so if I haven't made that clear enough, do not go out and break rapport or nag for the purposes of then going back and trying to clean it up because it actually takes some level of skill to get there. There is training involved. Most people don't have the faintest clue how to do that, right? Most people will come to the table with the bright side of the situation. Oh, well, at least such and such and such and such. You got bit by a dog, but at least now you know to avoid dogs forever, <laughs> right? 
And when we silver lining that process, it, it actually doesn't help. It doesn't do anything, right? <laughs> I remember one time I was skateboarding and my board got stuck in this giant crack in the sidewalk. I, I pitched forward real fast and then face planted. I ate shit. And then someone walks by and is like, gotta watch out for those cracks, man. That's, <laughs> that's effectively what you're doing in that situation. They know what the bright side is. Most of the time, it doesn't matter because you're dealing with emotions and not logic. By the same token, advice is a no-go. You shouldn't be giving advice to people when they're in a triggered state. Most of the time, that's just going to piss them off more. It becomes more frustrating. Again, most people are smart enough to know exactly what they should be doing. If you want to lose weight, run more, eat broccoli. We've, I think I've used that example quite a lot. But how many of us do it? It's the same reason why people buy sports equipment and then never use it. It's because... <laughs> Oops. There is a gap between your logical mind and your emotional mind. And your logical mind is fast. It knows what to do and it knows what to do within seconds of any situation if you stop and let it run. But your emotional mind is slow. It needs to be convinced. Otherwise, you'll be stuck in that emotional state. Now, there are ways to interrupt that. But for the most part, it's much, much easier actually just to stop and take a minute to address it. Most of the time, that's all that it takes. So, in summary, counseling skills, therapy skills, listening skills, the ability to shift emotions are one of the most important skills you could ever hope to learn in the dating arena. They're also exceptionally useful in any other kind of human-to-human -human experience. So, do I recommend going and get a counseling... Do I recommend going and getting a counseling degree? No. <laughs> what I recommend is finding someone who has the skills and learning from them directly so you don't have to spend three years of your life going through textbooks and taking exams. You can learn this stuff in a few weeks if you're dedicated enough, a few months if you want to take your time and really absorb this information, and it's information that you'll have forever. Now, if you're interested in learning more, you can always visit our website at greatdateguy.com and sign up for the newsletter where I'll be sending out information just like that. I'll be sending out training specifically for that purpose for the foreseeable future. And you'll be able to get membership there for free <laughs> for the time being. All right, so that is all the time that we have for today. If you got something out of today's podcast, don't forget to like it, share it, rate it, send it to a friend that you think it could help. And that's it. We'll catch you next Thursday, 8 a.m.